1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: All
3: right.
2: You're rolling with Jason and John. 92.9 FM, ESPN. Usually I'd come in here with a little more pep in my stuff, especially on a Friday Right? Got the weekend ahead of us. We're all a little stir-crazy. Feels like this weekend we're all going to get out in some form of fashion. Uh, And that'd be something to look forward to, usually. But my lord, what happened last night down at FedEx Forum has left us, uh, Riggs and Murtaugh, uh, to pick up the pieces today. And I referenced the lethal weapon combo because there seems to be a mystery. We're going to have to dig in. Memphis, after somehow blowing a 20-point lead to South Florida uh, and losing 74-73 last night, I can't believe I'm saying those words. Penny Hardaway left us with some clues about some inner things happening on the team. That don't worry, your boys, your boys, Riggs and Myrtle, we're gonna get to the bottom of it today, today, because we need answers. We need accountability on a day like today where we're all left to pick up the pieces. How did they lose that damn game? Uh, Grizzlies played a game last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is another reason I'm not so – for three quarters, I was, a happy, I was looking for a pick-me-up after the Tigers go down on national television. And uh, for three quarters, the Grizzlies were giving it to me. And then Anthony Edwards took over. Mike Conley had some threes, and you know uh, the rest of that story. 118-103, so Grizzlies go down. It's a Hoop City double L, not feeling so good. We do have the divisional round of the NFL playoffs to look forward to this weekend. Maybe that'll warm us up. And, John, I don't know if you saw this news. Bears interviewed Cliff Kingsbury for their offensive coordinator position. Is that a, is that a sign? Is that a sign?
4: Perhaps, yeah.
2: You um, know, he worked with Caleb last year.
4: Yeah, maybe so. Uh, oh, you don't man, that, was, uh,
2: okay, go that ahead. was brutal. It was brutal. I know. We're all sick trying to figure I'm really looking for diversions, other things to talk about, but we can't be distracted, can we, from – what we've got to figure
4: out. Yeah, it is what it is, right? Like, it's, you got to address it. You got to talk about it head on. Um, Let's do it. And, you know. Martin Riggs. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, Anthony Sane's going to join us at 1125, and we are going to take your calls a little bit later in the show um, and get your thoughts because I've seen, uh, I've seen some interesting discourse take place on social media about this game and what it means and what it doesn't mean, and I've, Got some texts about what it means and what it doesn't mean. I've written about what it means and what it doesn't mean. So, um, yeah, we we have a lot to discuss here on the show. Um, Memphis becomes the first team in the AP Top 10 in at least 14 years to blow a 20-point lead in a loss. So that is where you have to start. You know, Jason, it looked... It looked like, man, you know, it looked great, didn't it? It really did for a minute. Um, You know, 20-point lead, you're cruising. You know, Memphis doing what they're supposed to do against a team that's, you know, mediocre at best. Uh, Where are they in the Kimpom? They're 132 at Kimpom. I mean, you're, you're, you're cruising. You're at home, no fans, I know. But, again, this is a team that's ranked 174th in adjusted offense, 117th in adjusted defense, 118th in adjusted tempo. This is first-year coach, uh, Amir Abdurrahim, and you're taking care of business the way that we expect a a nine-and-a-half point favorite, uh, 13-and-a-half point open to do, taking care of business the way we expected them to take care of business. Um, And slowly but surely, USF hang around, they hit some threes, the big kid priors Feels like making everything's at the free throw line costly. Memphis gets stagnant offensively, in and out of lineups, and um and Memphis ultimately, you know, with a brutal miscommunication at the end of the game that leads to a free throw by Pryor and and uh quinterly shot misses. Memphis led the country, Jason, in close wins prior to last night, defined by six points or fewer. They were nine and one. The only loss was, of course, an old miss loss. They had won every other close game. And look, I mean, you can say um that's just that's just the coin flip uh and it keeps coming up your 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 side, or you could say that Memphis is just you know well versed in those situations, whatever you want to say, but they had been living right. And unfortunately, it feels like when you when you sort of live in that world too much um and you get too close to that flame. You are gonna get burned. And that's what happened last night for Memphis. The question, Jason, I think is just how punitive is that loss going to be for Memphis? And I think that's the thing that, you know, we have to we have to figure out.
2: Uh it dropped Memphis eleven spots to fifty in the net and it dropped them to forty nine at Ken Palm. So there's your daily dose of how punitive it was, John. Um, It doesn't have to be so punitive if you can put this behind you and put together a winning streak. That's pretty much the answer. Uh, if, if If this was just a bump in the road and you look back on it and Penny says, well, we aired out the dirty laundry. We got it all fixed and we rattled off wins afterwards like they've done. The past couple of Januarys made the point with Jeff and, and John, you've written about this. I mean, it's it's been sort of right here in the schedule where you've had some issues, feels like the last couple of years, and to Penny's credit, uh, he's gotten it turned around. And so if it becomes that, John, it doesn't have to hurt you that badly. Sure, maybe it kills you in terms of a three seed where Palms got you, but you could still, you, you could still stay, remain graduated and out of the 8-9 slot so long as This miscommunication issue, this obviously chemistry issue, isn't something that lingers and leads to more losses. That's the key here. It can be a bump in the road if you make it that. That said, clearly... And I keep going using the example of the Philadelphia Eagles who started 10-1 and winning close games just like this Memphis team We were sitting up here using, saying, well, that's a strength. They find ways to win when clearly there were flaws that eventually led to an unraveling of them, a point where they, they couldn't get it turned around. I, I've said it before. I don't think Memphis is headed for that. And, again, we've seen it here the past two seasons where you've had similar situations. But, John, you've got to quickly get that adjusted a couple of days ahead of going down to a place where you've dropped it uh, your last two games. You know, for whatever reason, Ron Hunter's had your number, beat you twice in the regular season, but he's beat you the last two years down there. So in what's been a tough spot for you, here you go, apparently got a ton of chemistry issues. Or I, I should draw back on a ton, but clearly Penny Hardaway alluded to some things that were multiple. Here you are going into a spot where you've had historically trouble last two years. You better get it turned around quickly. So it is just that bump of the road, John, but that's how you measure it. You measure it right now. Yeah, it hurts you drop you down to 50 in the net. You're, you're basically the same as the same thing at Ken Palm at 49. But as so long as you get it turned around, it needs to be said because you've seen it here the last couple of years, get the mindset changed. I told Jeff this morning, John, I'm sure you agree. This is not a personnel issue. This is a mindset issue. And again, last night, you're seeing a team that back to taking turns, When things start going bad, they're not sharing the ball. They're not playing for each other. Just a game before, John, they had eight assists last night. Okay? I I was pointing out to Jeff, I dug last four years, they're three and six in games where they've had single-digit assists. This team with the same personnel had 25 at Wichita State. So it's not a personnel issue. It's not a can't-do issue. It's a thing you've got to get ironed out. It's a mindset that clearly Penny sort of dropped some clues for us last night in terms of, you know, Sort of what might be happening behind the scenes. Again, you can see the picture. You inject a talented guy midseason, some other guys get bumped down, or maybe there's a freedom with these new guys, with Tomlin on the floor that a uh, 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 Malcolm Dandridge doesn't feel like he's getting. But clearly, John, let's, let's, let's boil it down because we can do punitive all day long. But clearly, John, there, there was an issue last night. You're not putting Malcolm Dandridge back in the game. He's only got two fouls, right? he's got seven rebounds you're getting killed on the glass in the end of the game you can't get up you can't buy a board to save your life and yet you're not putting Malcolm back in and Penny alluded to some of the I can't put guys back out there right now because of what's happening in our huddle Malcolm's the only one to go back in John I mean Tomlin and Jordan and all those guys are on the floor you know you're not going to the you know some of those eight nine ten mans in the rotation. You tell me. I mean, I think all the clues are there to, you know, Penny, for whatever reason, was not happy with Malcolm Dandridge, whether it was things he said in the huddle or whatever else. You didn't put him back in a game, whereas your leading rebounder, you're getting killed, and eventually, John, and Penny said this after the game, it led to some, because you, you felt like you couldn't put him out there, and I'm speculating, Penny didn't say who it was, but because you felt like him, it led to some miscommunication, which was clearly that last play that you wrote about today in your column where Jordane, uh Tomlin, Javid Jones all get mixed up, and you're giving up an, uh, you know, an easy foul at the basket. So my, my whole point of this is that you, can, you can make this just a blip. But if you don't get it ironed out quickly, it can certainly lead to something, John, a, a run that could do more damage
4: to you. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the, I mean, when you lose a game like that last night, right, I, I, it sort of, <clears throat> it, it it forces me to sort of reconfigure what I, what I think this team can and can't do. I mean, that was a, that was a. 20 point lead that Memphis Blue. Um, I don't know that the, I mean look, you you said it too late at Tulane is not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not. Um, nothing, nothing on this schedule is really a guarantee. <laughs> well, again, when you're losing to South Florida at home, I think everything becomes possible. Um look. I'm just going through it. You're going to be a dog at North Texas. You're going to be a dog at SMU. You're going to be a dog at Florida Atlantic on the 25th, or excuse me, on the uh on the on the 9th. You're probably going to be a pick against Florida Atlantic on the 25th. I mean, Jason, you know, again, it's just going to depend on how they come out of this, but when you just when you tell me like I would have never thought Memphis would lose a game like that, right? I just wouldn't. I mean I know
2: that, how that, that after what after what you've seen the last 3 4 games I realize against Wichita State we're saying oh my gosh it looks like maybe particularly in the second half they figured some things out but how could you say I never would have thought like this was always possible we South always,
4: Florida sucks
2: man yeah well so did UTSA they suck worse and you had a ball game with them so to say that I could never imagine this would be. You didn't
4: pay any attention to the signs whatsoever. Hell, signs that you were telling us. But nobody point, was saying coming into yesterday that they expected I mean, Memphis to lose that game yesterday. Again, you That's were, you, you were a like, bigger
2: favorite against UTSA. What was it, nineteen and a half? And you damn near lost yes. that game. And, and so I, yeah. I, I just push back on this. I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, no, they've been playing. They've been, they've been, they've been, they've been this thing is like around. Yeah, but it's it,
4: not like it's not like you know they we were going into these games saying that Memphis is going to lose. Memphis we should expect Memphis to lose and if they lose we shouldn't be surprised. I mean that's that's like that's that a cataclysmic loss. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not pushing loss.
2: back on that. I'm pushing back on the idea that we can't imagine something like this could happen. We even said it. You're going to have a funky environment down well, there. Well, it shouldn't happen at home. It start. should not have no, happened at I, home. I'm not excusing the loss, but the idea, you made it sound like we're sitting there blind if you think that something like that couldn't happen in this AAC against these Legos that you're talking about with the way Memphis is played. What did you just, just say about close games, John, and that stat? They've, you've gotten yourself so close to the flame that eventually – yeah, you keep playing, and you have miscommunication issues and chemistry issues. You're going to get exposed. And Javon Quinley didn't hit that shot last night. And right. that, it was always possible, bro. With what we were seeing, it's unfortunate that it comes unravelled in a you know you got a 20 point lead to your point. Where I will agree with you when they're up 20 with 18 minutes left, 18.33 or whatever it was when Jordan got that dunk. I'm with you. I didn't think there's any way they're losing that game. Like, they right. got this, and they're moving on to the next one. But to say that this was impossible or this is just from outside the realm of possibility because, based you know, based on what we've seen, I just think we, we, we have to stop short of that. The signs well, have been there. They got exposed last night, right, and especially right. at a time where you feel like you can't put guys in who could possibly be helping for whatever reason, and I touched on that with Jeff, like... The fact that Malcolm's not out there was clearly one of the issues in a game where he's got 7 rebounds leading you and you're getting killed by this kid Prior who's getting everything. Uh clearly yep. one of the, you've got to get this ironed out now, right now, it's doable. Because again, you've yeah. had the past 2 years where you can point to success and say we've had this same hurdle at this same point in time in the schedule. We got right. it worked out. Again, not a personnel issue. It's not like all you know Memphis doesn't have what it takes. They're, you know, Again, get it ironed out with the personalities or whatever else. I told, I, how do you do that? You know that that's on Penny Hardaway. But this is not just a Penny can throw the, the the players under the bus. This is on them to figure it out. That's why again, I always go to this is a Penny problem and a player problem that you've got. Penny's got to get worked out together because clearly, you know he he's alluded to this. Clearly, they have some selfishness issues, some ego issues, some i got almost I got this right now issues, and not enough sacrificing as alluded to it and last night it came back and bit him in the butt and probably was yeah. always going to John
4: yes, well, look i mean they they lost to two lane on the road last year on New Year's Eve, and they like before. the world was caving in. They ended up being fine, but you know this is just a this is just one that you're gonna wish you had back this is even if you go on some run and um you know y- you're you're gonna this one's this one's going to to be to 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 sting forever um just because of it being at home um and it's unfortunate it was weird there were no fans all that like it was bad luck all of that um but you know I don't know it just feels like can I can I can I reasonably expect them to do what they're going to have to do to to offset this totally? I think that's probably a little unfair. I mean, do I really do I can I really expect them to go on the road at North Texas, at SMU, at FAU, at UAB, and come up with wins in all of those games? You know, no, I, I don't think I can. I mean, I'm not throwing out the season at all. I still think this is a good team, but it just it just makes your your path. To, to where we said they needed to be. Because I think if you if, if if you seeded this thing today, I think Memphis is a seven seed, Jason. I mean, I, I do. Yeah, I think that's where... I the, mean, to,
2: Lenardi had him the lowest, and I don't think you dropped two seeds yesterday with that loss. I don't think you dropped... I'd two
4: say six. Two. Fine. We'll split the middle and we'll say six, but that's without any L's the rest of the way, right? Like, that's assuming no stupid losses. Now you can You cannot take any more dumb losses. Can we agree on that? Um, or what?
2: You're back to 8-9? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, yeah. I mean, for the most part, uh, again, we can go I mean, back to Unless you sweep
4: you, FAU. Which, uh, again, again, there's, I mean, there's
2: you... ways to do that, right? Yeah, you lose a bat when you beat FAU twice, then yeah. Could you be a 6 or a 5? Possibly still. Look, man. I mean, you don't. We, we don't need to overreact here. Houston last year, and, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not making the claim that this Memphis team is Houston last year. They had a number one seed, but they go seventeen and one. John, they lose to a Temple team at home that was one twenty at Ken Palm, This South Florida team last night's one. They're one thirty two. It can be something similar. To where you don't lose everything because you just blew what, what, what's, what's clearly painting us all a 20-point lead, first team in 14 years, top 10 team. To do it, that's painful, but this doesn't have to be excruciating, John, to where you've lost everything that you've built. Again, we've seen it before where folks maintain their seed or stay high, you know, with, with a bad loss. And clearly that Temple one was for Houston last year. So long as you take care of business, iron out this selfishness and mess. And I told you, I'd, I'd show him Caleb Mills' sacrifice videos all the way down to Tulane all day long. Him taking charges, him not taking shots, because that's what they need right now. Penny's been hollering about this and alluding to this pretty much all season long. And they've been able yeah. to still, you know, navigate their way through it and pick up, you know, a ten-game winning streak. Uh, but all that said, uh, I, you got to get that ironed saying, out. Whatever saying. your method is, get get that that selfishness ironed out. And then again, you telling me Penny Hardaway is going to go down two lane, lose three straight to Ron Hunter? Like this is you're you're already in a desperate situation because of the game that's up next. It's doubly desperate now because of what you just did. So all those guys clearly got to be on high alert. And again. John, you just had 25 assists. You were just playing for each other against Wichita State. This is not yep. something you can't get back to. And so, wh- whatever the method is, you got to get them back all, all back on the same page. Malcolm's got to know that uh, this team needs Tomlin. Tomlin's got to know that, look, this, you know, malcolm has got a role to play on this team. And Penny Hardaway's got to get it figured out with Malcolm Dandridge, who I'm sure mm-hmm. you had this conversation with after last year and what happened in the NCAA tournament game before this mess. Right, comes back up and it leads you to a loss, John. That does cost you something, as it did last year. We've talked about it. That mess last year between him and Kendrick, it led to the discombobulation in the huddle where guys aren't paying attention to defense. You give up the easy layup when when Penny Hardaway's telling you not to bite on the three. Right, that's that's what it can lead to. So don't get this iron out now and don't let that lead you to a loss that really cripples you or ends your season. I mean, it should be fairly simple because it feels like right now. The main guy, one of the guy, key guys who you didn't put back in the game last last night when you could have used him, is, is a guy you've been through this before with. And so, again, if it's Tomlin, Malco, man, get that ironed out and get down Tulane lane, get this win. You know, put yeah, this by, make, mean, make it a blip on the radar and not a, a a sign like it was for Philadelphia. Man, you can't pull that. The things are bad, and you're not going right. to be able to get them back together.
4: Because, you know, you brought up the Houston example. That's what Temple – that's what that Temple game was.
2: It was, it exactly. was a flip. And it, it, they it ended didn't up being a, another game right, the rest of for, the season. And, you know,
4: for Kelvin, and I said this for Penny
2: because he's done it last, it can end up being that lesson, that teaching point that you can point back to and you can say, you know, it propels you motivates you, whatever else. But more importantly, keeps guys in that mindset that, look, man, we start playing selfish again, we go single-digit assists. Bro, we can lose to anybody in this league. I mean, that's just the facts. And it's a sad state of affairs because you wanted this Memphis team with all this great personnel to steamroll everybody in the league. But John, those close wins were telling us that it wasn't all good, right? And like you said, eventually, you know, the flame the flame burned you. You got too yes. close to it.
4: Yeah. And look, again, we don't have we, we we don't get we don't know. We don't know how this is gonna look in, in three weeks. We have no idea. We just we are reacting to something that um, took place last night, you know, and we don't have the benefit of knowing how this is going to play out. It could play out beautifully. It could be something, even though Penny sort of cast doubt on it being a wake up call, it could be that. It could be, you know, this is, you know, this team, yeah. uh, you know, came together and and they didn't lose another game or, uh, you know, the only game they lose is at FAU or whatever. Maybe that's possible. Or they could lose all the games that they're projected to lose at Kempom and they could drop uh you know another stupid loss they could lose a close one at UAB I mean we don't know we don't know I mean I will say Jason like Penny's post game comments don't they don't give me great hope um
2: but don't they know, sound but but okay and I, and I, and that's fair but don't they sound a lot like where we've been the last two years when he's had to call out his team publicly and literally we're right now. Yeah, Jeff it usually to look, it happens I think in November Giannato as this <laughs> Jeff went column. No, no, no. Jeff went and looked it up. It was literally two years ago, and, and Giannato, I think, had it in this column to his credit. It's two years ago this exact time they saying, stop asking me dumbass questions. I think it was Tulsa. And it's two years ago around this exact same time they lost to Tulane and I think UCF in a stretch of three games where you, you were questioning things just like, it, it, you know, do they have this? Do they have that? And so that's what I would. I, I you have the comments, and you want, but you also have the history that if you're taking you know full account of this, that at least you can point to and say, well, he's done this a couple of years in a row now. Really, you know, more than that. And, Stop asking me stupid fucking questions. And they've had the turnaround, and so that, that I mean, if if I'm making a case, John, that they can pull out of this, to you, right? Trying to get doesn't you- really doesn't stay with you, you know? Like if no, you beat you were, those you were teams, you spot on in the column, yeah. You're dead you on. You
4: forget about that. Yeah, like with Memphis it's like you can't shake it because you know, you don't get those opportunities whatsoever. You're not going to have a you're not even going to see a top 100 team in Kempom until February the 15th, Jason. That's at North Texas. It's just unacceptable. That's not Penny's fault, that's not Memphis's fault, but it is the world they live in and it's and it's and it's something that that they have to understand that your margin for error is non-existent, unfortunately, when it comes to if you want to be a top four seed, you know, you get maybe you get one dumb loss a year. This you, you just used it last night.
2: Um, I don't know about you. My, my hope is that they it can just be a top five seed and we got We got to get to saying and we'll get back to this because, uh, um, again, I, st- I, don't, I don't know that we've you and I here we need we need to come to one accord. Uh, on this, no, we agree. Okay. No, we we're all on the all same right. page. I, I mean, I well, guess you I, know. I, I don't. I, I'm a little worried that you're
4: overreacting.
2: I was, you know, and maybe again. Yeah, I'm just that's, reacting.
4: That's all. I'm just reacting. I don't think I'm like. I'm not throwing out the season. I'm not saying this team stinks. I'm not saying well, the, the not whole. Doing a job. I don't
2: have any faith. Where do I get my faith from? I think is a little bit based well, on what we've the, seen last comments. two years. Penny's the comments disturbed me a little I, bit. I understand why. All I'm saying is, again, there's an opportunity to get your way out of this. Is what I'm saying doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. No, we don't play Although that was Sundays, a so disastrous, to, you know, potentially disastrous loss. We will. we will. We will keep talking it out,
4: John. We'll get uh, you through we'll, we'll come back, talk to Anthony Sane, get his thoughts on uh, Memphis basketball, Gigi Jackson.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit
0: HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today.
4: Grizz, Anthony
2: Sane is the host of the Anthony Sane Show on Bluff City Media. Y'all should be locked in. Tribal Chief of Grizz, Twitter independent journalist and founder of Asylum Media Groupies, father of five-star 2032 multi-sport prospect Gabriel Sane. You can follow him on X at Sane Asylum. Saying after that, uh, that Grizzlies lost last night at Minnesota, we are officially at the halfway point of this 2023 24 season for the Memphis Grizzlies. You're sitting at 15 and 26, 41 games in. If you had to sum up the first half of the season for the Grizzlies in one word, what word would you use? Um, I
3: don't know, man. So I, I, I can't really give it one word, but I, I'll it's compare hard. it to. This Memphis weather this week, man, just, you know, been a collection of bunch of nasty stuff, man. And you either deal with it or you don't. You either get out there and deal with it or you stay in the house and ignore it, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those kind of seasons for the Grizzlies, man, um, with the John Moran suspension and then the John Moran injury, uh, the, the various injuries we've had throughout the season, um, you know, and also kind of guys who kind of regressed this year, to be honest, like guys like, you know, the Al Aldama's, who you thought would make another leap, especially as good as you saw him playing Fever, and him just kind of not looking like the guy you needed him to be outside of maybe a couple of games. Really, just one that stands out to me was that Boston game. Uh, those kind of things, of course, are disappointing. Um, you had Zaire, who a guy who you know talked a lot of big talk. At, you know, Media Day came out looking good in, in uh, preseason and early in the season, and now he's you know back regressing again. Um, and you haven't had any development from guys like uh, Jake LaRabia, David Roddy, guys in and out of the rotation, guys who aren't getting DNPs one game and starting and point guards the next game, uh, all those different types of type of things going on. But you've had, you know, the emergence of guys like Vince Williams and guys like G.G. Uh, G. Jackson, who who, you, who look to be guys who will be solid, uh, you know, parts of your rotation going forward. And, you know, there's, you know, a couple bright things you can gather. You, you've seen Marcus Smart. Uh, like I was talking about the Memphis weather, he, he's a guy who was struggling really bad when being asked to be your key playmaker, and then just transitioning from one super successful team um, to this Grizzlies team. Then you saw him looking better when John Moran got here, yep. and then looking even looking better as a playmaker when those key responsibilities were pulled off of him. Plus, just kind of uh, knowing his kind of knowing his role. Uh, that's something that a lot of people haven't really talked about with Marcus Smart is that you're, you're taking a guy who is coming from a culture in Boston and a culture where people know that they brought him in to be kind of a leader, uh, you know, for, for guys like John Morant, the uncertainty he may have had coming into that position, and then him kind of adjusting to finding his way in the locker room and with the personnel. So there's been so many wild things that have happened this season. I'm probably leaving, leaving some stuff out uh, if I really think about it, but uh, it's been a crazy season, man. And, um, you know, 41 more games to go. Let's see what happens.
4: Yeah, um I saw you know and again it's kind of hard to to know like what you, what's right and what's you know worth pursuing mm-hmm. but I saw the Grizzlies were mentioned as a potential um destination for Quentin Grimes. Mm-hmm. How much sense does that make to you?
3: I think it makes a lot of sense, man. Um it, it's a one-on-one deal. It'll be pretty hard to happen. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a one-for-one deal. Um I don't think any real trade the Grizzlies get in is going to be one for one. I think they're going to try to kill a couple birds with one stone. Um, I, th- I like Grimes. He can shoot the ball pretty good. Still young. Uh, he can defend a little bit. He can play play make a little bit. A lot of times in that New York system, um, guys kind of fall out of favor. They, they're they're like the hot commodity for a few months and then they uh, they fall out they fall out of favor. And that's kind of how things have been. I, I can't think of the coach's name for some reason right now. You know me and New York guys, man. I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the coach saying? In New York? Thibodeau. Tibbs. Yeah, Thibodeau, yeah. That's, that's that's been his entire career. Like he's hot on guys and he goes super cold on. And he's kind of falling out of favor with Thibodeau. Um I really like Grimes, though, man. I know he's the guy that the Grizzlies had uh, an eye on as a, as a second round type prospect, uh late first type prospect back in his particular draft. Um I, I think I I think I'm 100% certain that that's Truth, that the Grizzlies did have draft interest in him. So, a guy that has got local connections to Penny Hardaway. I want to say he, um, I want to say his trainer is here. Um Yeah, he's played, he's played in Phoenix him, him a few times. You know what I mean? Um, I like, I like his prospect. I really think that that is. I think there's real interest with the Grizzlies there, and but I think that I don't think it's going to be a one for one deal. His contract's only like two or three million dollars, something like that. I don't think it's going to be like a you know Jake Laravia and a pick for him type deal. I think it'll, it'll be part of a bigger deal. Um, a lot of, if you kind of pay attention to the T-leaves, it seems like something may be about to go down with Luke Kennard. If you just kind of, if you just kind, of just kind of reach out there and find a pick that could be bigger than just a one-for-one. One. Um, I've seen a couple of fans throw out some ideas, a couple of media members throw out some ideas as far as it's concerned. And I really wouldn't be surprised to see something with Luke Kennard and his, I think, $15 million contract. Uh, being involved involved in a multiplayer deal that brings him back, plus some other things that could free up some uh, roster spots uh, on this team going forward. But uh, that's that's kind of how I'm just kind of processing stuff in my own brain. That's not based on anything I know or I heard.
2: I was just going to ask you about Kennard, and and, and the point I was going to make is that it, it, I mean he is shooting he's shooting lights out right now too, and I know he's <laughs> typically like that. He's lead always leading the league, but he has come mm-hmm. back, and I think even last night he was five of seven, had eighteen points. I mean that that would help you. You know, in Mm -hmm. in that pursuit, if that was indeed the route you wanted to go, right? I mean, he's if anything, he's as sharp as ever. These other teams can look at him and he's knocking everything down. Let's bring him in, right? In terms of what you could possibly get back, if you're saying it's a three deal, is this picks where you're just trying to improve your your assets or are you actually trying to get a player that's going to help you, whether it's now or, more importantly, next year? In terms of what could you get back in a deal for Kennard? I think the guys like
3: Kennard have a ton of value right now. Just like for last year, we were a – uh, second seed in the West, contending team, looking for what everyone's looking for in the playoffs, right? Shooting. Right, right. So we have to start. Those type of guys will be a hot commodity again this year. And plus with the uh, luxury tax implications that are coming up, that's and right. just general a little roster clutter that's about to happen. Luke Connard is a guy who, he's a great player. I'm not trying to act like he's not. I love what Luca does. I talked to my guest, uh, Keith Parrish, for Fast Break Breakfast, uh, which is Aaron today. You guys can check out the podcast later on about uh, Anthony Sainz show and I talked about how Luke Kennard has a violent three pointer like his three pointers seem like they hit harder than other dudes three you know what I <laughs> mean so yeah, like if you if you go back and watch some of his replays like his shots like they ripped the net man like he's just a yeah, he's classic assassin down shooter yeah. so um I get all those things but um I think other teams will value him and, 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 and you just want to be realistic about it no matter what no matter how you view Luke Kennard he's probably your fifth guard in the rotation next season, and that includes John Moran, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Vince Williams, who I think is more valuable than him at this point. And then you've got uh, Luke Kennard sitting there at your fifth guard, and even if you want to say Vince is a four, he's going to play a lot of shooting guard next year as well. And, and even with that, you're talking about your fourth guard, and you ask yourself, is he is he good enough to keep at that spot where you want to keep him there, or is he somebody you feel like you can move? Because if you're talking about consolidation, because they're going to have to consolidate this roster, period. Because if you keep everybody, if you keep Tillman, if you keep Kennard, if you do whatever you're doing, you're going to have to make a hard decision about what you're doing with Gigi Jackson next year because you've got to find a spot for that, that guy, period, mm-hmm. next year. Because I, I, would, I would doubt very much that he's going to take another two-way deal. He's not on a two-year two-way. Right. He's, on a, he's on a year-by-year two-way.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: of what you feel. So you're going to have to make a decision on what you're doing with him, and that decision should already be made. You're going to have to sign him. If you're going to take this draft pick, if you're going to actually step to the podium and draft your own guy next year, you've got to have a spot for him, too. So the grid have to do some type of consolidation to make roster spots on this team. So like I said, I could very well see uh, a Luke Kennard trade that where you get a, a young player back who's raises their floor, where where you instead of Having you know throwing in a uh, Jake Laravia or David Roddy or Zario Williams, you you got a Quinn Grimes type guy, who's your back of the back of the rotation wing guard, whatever your fifth guard or whatever, and then you free up their spot, get rid of you know a couple of those guys maybe, and then you uh, you free up some other things uh, salary wise. I'm looking if 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 I'm if the Knicks are a team who I think who I know wants to add shooting for the playoffs, right? If you want to trade Canard, basically in essence, Canard for Grimes, right? Shooting-wise, is definitely a downgrade. Grimes can do a few other things a little better than what oh, Luke yeah. does. But you also free up. This is the trade I'm looking at. Just throwing something out. My, my man, Parker Van Blaircon from uh, uh, Life Church of Memphis, he put this out on Twitter. I said, like, damn, dude, that kind of makes some sense. He was saying... Uh, you do Kennard uh, and two of the I call them the bonus wings, two of the bonus wings, whether that's Roddy, Moravia, Jitty, whatever you're doing. I think he said I think he said Jitty and um, he he said GD and Canard, and I was thinking, okay, throw another one in, throw Moravia or Roddy or Zaire, whatever you're doing, throw that in too, and it makes it a three for two. And the second player coming back from New York would be somebody like Evan Fournier, right? Evan Fournier is on like a, like a 13 million. Same kind of, same exact deal that Canard is on uh, as far as the player, the team option type thing. Mm-hmm. If you decide to do that three for two, right, when you get back uh, Fournier and you get back that kid, if you don't want Fournier back, you let him walk, and then that frees up two roster spots for you this summer even if you don't do anything else. Or you might want to take – you might take a hard look at Fournier and you say, okay, I want to keep Fournier around. Let me bring him back. Plus, I get this young player in Grimes who's good as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you might make it a bigger trade and you send through route Fournier somewhere else. Somewhere else, You bring back a cheaper big and a deal. That's a cheaper deal than Fournier. And now you're really cooking. If you can get a young big and get a young player like Grimes through the wing that can knock down shots and play a little defense. So – I'm looking at that That Knicks deal just feels real. Like, that feels like it actually has legs to it. Because we're hearing Grimes fame a lot. And if you're talking New York, you're definitely talking about a shooter. So, it kind of makes sense to start looking at your canard uh, to the Knicks deal and see what those would look like.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, you know, again, I know we've talked about it, but unless it's like a can't-miss prospect, I really am not trying to add a, you know, late top ten guy to this roster.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I just I see, don't think you know, that man, it depends on when you ask me. I feel different about it every day. Uh, that's something else to me. And but, I, the, but saying does if about, you
4: know what the mean, timelines if, don't match.
3: But here's the right? thing: if you got if you got Stephen Adams on this roster next year, right? If he's your if he's back and he's ninety percent of what he was for the last two years here, and you draft, there's a lot of bigs in this roster. I mean, in this draft, in the top ten, top fifteen, you draft some big, right? You got this kid with the luxury of playing behind Steven Adams for at least a few months, for at least you know this year, next year, or whatever you're doing. And if you look like I talked to you about last time I talked to you all, are we going to act like Derek Lively hasn't helped Dallas a ton? He's a, he's a rookie big. that they took in like the top 12 or something like that? I think there's a lot of guys. I think that we're kind of – there's a narrative about this is a bad draft. And every draft they said is a bad draft, even like that Mike Miller draft. There were good. There were good players in that draft that you could find in the top fifteen. Whether guys, are there, franchise changes no, but we don't need this. I think we can definitely find someone in that top uh, ten, which is where we're going to be in that draft. That can that can definitely come in and help this team. But if they trade them, I'm down for that too. Like I said, my mind changes on take that pick or trade that pick literally every day. So I don't I don't, I don't really put too much into that. But I can definitely see a scenario where they take a big who they think could be their big for the future. You, you kind of let him play behind Adams, alongside Adams a little bit, and just kind of see how that
2: works out. But let's talk about Adams since you since you, you brought him up. And I, I do think he's a big, you know, to me, it's probably the biggest question mark going into the next season. Do you trust him? <laughs> do, you, do you upgrade there? Whatever. Um, just because saying we, I've, ha, I've seen the question asked of us, why aren't y'all talking more about Stephen Adams not being with the team? Right. You see Jai out there. You see Bang when they're all hurt. Marcus Smart's traveling. He's hurt. Whatever else he's not. You know, Stephen Adams often rehabbing, as has been reported. Does that bother you at all? Is that something we should be talking about at all? Is this just a deal? And I got to be honest with you saying John and I haven't talked about it because I've sort of chalked it up to man. It, it's a more it's a serious rehab. And if we're being home to do it and not on the bench if, is the best way to go about it. That's fine. But but sh- am I being naive? Should we be talking about this?
3: Man, I see all sides of it. Like, here's the thing: people are saying, "Like, no, I think think he's, you know, he's not from here. He's probably at right. home." Right. I think that could be true. I think that probably is true, but it's also probably possible that he really don't help with the grizzlies right now. Like, I think I think both could be true, bro. Mm. Like, I think it's human nature for him to possibly feel the weight about how things went down this summer, how his image has been portrayed, uh, the lack of communication. About his whole injury situation yep. uh, because it was because when this thing started, there was a big, there was a lot of finger pointing, like, why is Steve out here like rubbing juices and berries together on his knee? Or like, it was it was, <laughs> there was, a lot of that type of stuff, like, energy towards him. So I could see him feeling away about the team and also just wanting to be away, be at home. Yep. Uh, he's not, he's not, not only is he not a Memphian, he's not uh, he's not from America. You know what I mean? So I, I, I see both sides both of it. I think true. he probably does feel away. I think there are reasons for him to feel away, um, you know, about certain things. And uh, he's just a different dude, man. Like, you know, he's not, he's not dying them, You know what I mean? You're not going to see him out. Right. You know, even when the Grizzlies were, how many times did you see Steven Adams talking about his the parade inside my city? I mean, he's just a different dude, but it's just not really his thing. So um, I don't think it's much to it. I, 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 if he does feel away towards the organization or whatever, I get that too. Those But those type of things are easily mended. You know what I mean? When it's time to play basketball, you're ready to play, and you get out there in training the camp, you know, you put all those things to the side. But um, I don't really think it's that much to really stress about. But I think it could be a real thing. I think it could be some mm-hmm. discord there. But, you know, that's just that human nature, man. It's a business at right. the end of the day. So mm-hmm. That kind of thing.
4: yeah. Um. Obviously, uh, tough night last night for the Tigers. And then after the game, you know, Penny's – you know, making references to you know some lineups can't play with each other, and there's always talking, and that there could be, you know, um, chemistry issues potentially. What do you make of that? Is it something that is just part of the you know deal now in college basketball? Is the, is there something a little bit more ne- like what did you, just what did you make of what you heard coming out of the Memphis program last night? Man,
3: wild stuff, man. I got up, uh, got up last night about two in the morning. It was kind of recapping some stuff I missed from last night because I was watching the first half of the game, turned it off. I said, man, I'm going to lay down for a minute. Because this, this snowstorm kind of has my sleep just all thrown off, man. Like I'm same, same. sleeping at odd times of the day and waking yeah. up and sleeping too late. And yep. I said, okay, I'm tired right now, but it's like it's like 7.30, right? So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to sleep at the halftime of this Tiger game. They, they, this game is won. I'm going to set my alarm to wake me up at like 10. I'm going to watch the second half of this Grizzlies game, right? So none of that actually happened, you know what I mean? So I ended up missing <laughs> the whole Grizzlies game. And I wake up and I wake up around uh nine something and I see the Tigers are up three like two minutes to go. I see FAU who is down double digits. They're up double digits like it's like the exact same score. Like it's um 69, 66 or something. Like that in the second in the second half. Then I see the FAU ends up blowing out uh the team they were playing, and I see Memphis, you know, is struggling but like two minutes to go. So uh I got up and I watched Penny's press conference. I'm like, man, this is a wild stuff. Penny's saying, bro, like something about Penny that, like, he's one of those guys who you get these unexpected gems. Like, like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he says something you've never heard any coach ever really say before. Um, like, whether it was a, you remember that kid? He wore his hair the way that the Walton has his hair right now. Even the only he even dad wore. basketball.
4: Um, he's like SpongeBob <laughs> or something. Keep yeah. on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> And Pitty just give you, gives you these wild quotes sometimes, and then it just turns the city into an uproar, and, and, and poor Park, he's like, "Wait, what, what did you just <laughs> like?" He, he's trying to make sense of what Pitty's saying, and all the reporters are going crazy, and Twitter's going crazy, and morning radio's going crazy today. And I don't, I'm sure that's true, man. Like, I've had this conversation with a lot of people too. This team is something like that you that you're really seeing for the first time in college basketball with NIL in the transfer portal, Penny has stepped into a lane that, because you know whenever Penny steps into a new lane, he's going to step all the way into, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to make the team that's a college NBA program, where I'm, I'm getting guys ready for the NBA, where you lean all the way into that, or, or where he says, well, send me your your batter, your tethered, your not quite NBA guys, who went to go get evaluated at the NBA, NBA didn't get them good feedback, give me all those dudes, Penny's deep into that lane now, right? And that's, that's a different type of chemistry that a lot of people don't really understand and are kind of in denial about. Because, yes, these guys are all older, experienced college basketball players who you don't have to deal with. Some of the BS you have to deal with with the younger dudes. But there's a whole different type of BS you got to deal with with these older guys. Because all of them think like, hey, yeah, I, I, I'm a fringe NBA-ish guy or I'm a G League-level guy. Every dude we're talking about on this team, whether it's Quinterly, whether it's Jordan Brown, who's trying to come back, whether it's the Tomlin kid, whether it's um, uh, uh,
2: David Jones,
3: whoever you're talking about, so David Jones, uh, uh, forgetting my name, the, the, uh, Jay Korn Walton, whoever you're talking about. Every one of these dudes could be somewhere playing professional ball somewhere. Like I'm not saying they'd be like in your bigger leagues, but they, they don't have to be in college right now. You know what I mean? Saw so these guys came to college with some level of expectation. And when guys are coming here, it's the truth. And you're like.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.